Hey guys, this is Level Up, the podcast designed to help you win at work and make you master of your money. This is your host, Jen Simons, geared up to chase success with you. We're going to be talking about mastering your money today because, you know, we think of relationships as interpersonal. Family comes first. My beshi's got my back or like, I want that boy in my life. But there's one relationship that stays firmly in that category that we refer to as complicated. That relationship is our relationship with money, my friends. Our finances are a factor in most every day-to-day decision. It's why we work and a huge way to evaluate success. And yet, we don't discuss personal finances much at all. It's difficult for people to discuss money because there's no real agreed-upon standard of measurement for financial metrics. We all know physical health numbers like BMI, weight and clothing sizes, so we can assess where we fall on that spectrum. Says Shannon McClay, a former financial advisor from Merrill Lynch. That's not actually Miss McClay. We're just quoting her from an article in the New York Times back in 2018. She says that because of a lack of agreed-upon financial metrics, people feel fear or shame around what their finances look like. Okay, so how do I look? You look awesome! This is cool! (laughs) This is Thon Patran, who's been a personal finance advisor for 20 years. Definitely not an understatement to call this guy a thought leader in financial services. He's worked closely with the Securities and Exchange Commission and Banco Central ng Pilipinas in his last role to create a whole new way for consumers to purchase mutual funds online. They even created a framework so that regular people like you and me can decide on the best investment option for ourselves. Super empowering. Okay, so uh, just a quick background. I made a career in finance in 2003. I was in sales, so I was at the front line of really helping people come up with uh, a sound financial plan. So sort of like a blessing that I got into this because it's something that it made sense to me. And uh, the fastest way to, to learn something is to teach it, right? So I started also teaching, reaching out to people. The first ever uh, seminar that I attended uh, back in 2003 was a retirement seminar. And when you hear people, not even the speaker, but the attendees, really saying that this could have been something they should have heard it when they started working. It was a very good place to hear it at the start of my work. In fact, that's my first job, second week into the job, and that's what I heard. Wow. And, and this is not something that a lot of Filipinos are hearing about. And uh, just, a, just another experience that I had about three years ago, I went down south in Batangas to do a financial planning talk to, for school teachers, right? And the reason for this seminar is because the owner of the school asked our CEO, to do a financial planning talk because they had some retired teachers who wanted to go back working because in six months they ran out of money. So again, that's and and that was three years ago. That was 12 years after I heard my first retirement seminar. And in the last 12 years, I feel that the message isn't clear for a lot of Filipino workers. Mm-hmm. And so we, we got our work cut out for us in terms of educating and uh, really giving or helping Filipinos be financially stable or financially independent, especially those nearing retirement 
right? Sure. But I mean, particularly for people who are a little bit older, I mean, there are very traditional ways, though, of dealing with your salary and your money. So it must be challenging to get them to talk about this before they actually really are in need of some help. Have you found that to be difficult? For sure. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, not a, it's not an easy discussion to have. Uh, when you talk about money, especially for Filipinos, it's uh, not something you talk about over dinner with your parents or over uh, a simple conversation with your with your siblings, right? So, so I would say it's a taboo to talk about money in families. But if you look at also when, when you do a, a survey, and I, I, I'm not sure if uh, how close you are to the ground when it comes to your clients, but if you ask these clients, these call center workers, these employees, if you ask them, who do you talk to about money? And the, the first, the default will be their parents or their friends. Right? So, so it doesn't really breed a culture of savings and investments or even taking care of long-term needs in terms of financials when your default um, conversation happens at home with people who also doesn't have an idea on how to do it. So this is something that I've experienced myself with my parents. In fact, I never talked about money with my parents until I started working. Mm -hmm. And it's just fortunate for me that I went into that job. So I had my my father had the time to really catch up on his retirement after I showed him what I learned on that same seminar that I was talking about a while ago. So again, it's not an easy conversation to have. Uh, a lot of uh, financial planners, our advisors as well, are having a hard time really extracting information uh, from from clients with regards to their finances. Sure, and it's can, something that we should I, really have, right? Yeah, I can imagine it's challenging. I mean, would you mind taking me back to that conversation with your dad? How do you even start a conversation like that? So, well, I, it's, I was pretty upfront. My dad and I are pretty close. I told him about the seminar. It was pretty interesting. So I guess the lesson learned there was I was able to capture his interest because we, he was already at that point where, or, or at, at least at going towards that age where he, eventually he would retire. Right? So I, I, again, it was a lucky break that I was the first one to work in the family. And this is the kind of work that I got into. So I told him, in fact, my dad was open to me being his financial planner right after that conversation. So I just basically a, a very short conversation. I told him this is a very interesting, interesting uh, seminar. I, I went to this uh, morning. Uh, it's about retirement. And he told, he told me we never really talked about retirement. I know this is how much I'm getting when I retire. And this is the benefit from my work right now. But I told him, will that, will that really, is that enough for your retirement? And 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 uh, I helped him, and we both learned together as we went along. And again, since that time up to now, there's a lot more things that I've learned and that we are still applying, especially in situations where, like, we have this pandemic. And in fact, my dad retired just this year. Oh wow! Which is very timely, and um, he's retiring on um, a very comfortable uh, nest egg, and to two or three businesses that we were looking at five years ago so that, again, he can support his finances and, of course, my mom's finances as they retire. Right. That's so it, it, it's, it's planning that came into play. It's very important. Yeah, but it's such a... It sounds like you have a great relationship with your dad and he's super 
uh, open to your suggestions. Meanwhile, I can't even get my dad to stay home during this pandemic. Right? <laughs> like, yeah. He's going to the bank every opportunity. It's driving me kind of nuts. Like, it's very difficult to get older people to listen to you. And generally, it's not even just, just parents, but... I mean, I don't think I've ever really, it's always a bit awkward to talk about money, even to my friends, right? You mentioned them as a second group of people you'd probably talk to about mm -hmm. things like this. Why is it that we are have such difficulty talking about money generally? Well, I think it's psychological, it's culture and cultural. Um, when, wait, 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 just a quick disclaimer. When you talk about money with your friends it's likely going to a conversation about where you spend your money not That's where you true. save your money right it takes a stimulus to change behavior right um part of it is a change in in your life stage like uh those moments where you're thinking about retirement for older people for younger people is when they start to save for their own homes or when they want to buy something but again it's not as simple as really, hey, um, I want to buy a car. Can how much do I need to borrow? Right, that's the default question for a lot of us. Or, or, hey, uh, I saw this advertisement from a bank who was offering a loan for this kind of uh, purchase. When I started my career, I was a nurse, and I'm so proud of it. I worked uh, in the hospital for three years, learned a lot. This is JC Abarca, the head of operations at Uploan. That's the company bringing you this podcast, by the way. Super cool place to work. And everyone at Uploan looks up to JC. I think you'll understand why as you keep listening. I started in the PPO somewhere around 2006. Okay. Um, and no, 2009. Let me correct myself. Okay. Right? 2009. And that's when the BPO really boomed in the business, mm. in the industry, the Philippines. And... From there, I actually started appreciating how a person can be disciplined in terms of like, you, so you enter a room, you enter your cubicle, you have your time in, your logout, you got your scheduled breaks and stuff like that. I really like the idea that everything's well-structured and because I'm just so curious about what's out there. So after like four or five years, um, I felt like there's more to what I can see right now. A friend asked me to join a startup company. It's interesting. It's an online gambling industry. Mm -hmm. uh, I was there as a fraud specialist, fraud prevention specialist. And there I saw how I can impact, like my small idea can impact the greater business. People uh, saw that potential in me. So they invested uh, with me. Like they put me into training. They sent me to Bulgaria. They sent me to Israel. They sent me to UK to do training. And I think that's where my career built up, really, in terms of leading processes, from leading processes to leading departments to leading people. When I was a nurse, I was earning like 3,000 pesos per cutoff. And I, was, I have to drive or have to commute from our province going to Manila. After, I, after one year, it get doubled. I was so happy I can go to McDonald's or I can go to a restaurant uh, during my payday. When I ventured to VPO or to a different industry after that, uh, it feels like my, I, I was able to triple or even make it four times the amount that I was earning. But I noticed that when I started to accumulate funds, I also started to accumulate expenses. And eventually, as I got promoted, the, the, the expenses also got high. And until such time that I felt like, what's happening? I'm earning more, but my money is running short still. Mm -hmm. And made me think about my life in terms of spending. Right. 
And when I when I went to Canada, I, I have like not a big savings, but uh, just you know just enough savings for me uh, to last while I was there. And then of course with the help of my mom. But one thing I realized is that when you don't have enough, that's the time that you that you plan that you think about. That's the time that you can actually be more responsible with yourself. In reality, the people like me, when we talk about financial planning, and I have some clients who would ask me, Don, I need, I want to buy a car. Can I afford it at this stage? So me being the financial planner, I could, uh, since I know, again, this is on the premise that you know your client and you know their finances, you know how much money is coming in, where they spend it, what's, uh, how do they support their extended family if they have one? What else? What's their, uh, you call it uh, latte factor, which, uh, where do they spend unnecessarily? So okay. again, it's latte factor because it's sometimes it's coffee, sometimes it's uh, uh, other habits like um, going to the gym or or buying books, which is sometimes a luxury as well. Okay. For me, it's gadgets. I want to be, I have to have the latest gadgets all the time. So that's I think uh, something I spend on a lot. Sneakers okay. as well. Again, that's for me. For some people, um, they barely have enough for disposable income to save. Depends on where you are and what kind of um, uh, habits you have when it comes to money and uh, savings and the kind of also the friends that you have will also sort of say how much you can save. Like uh, if you're very sociable, you probably end up eating out through three times a week, four times a week, even on weekends. So And your kids. Oh my gosh, kids are so expensive. Oh yes, definitely. Because uh, <laughs> I actually threw out food budget when I had my first kid. And up to now, we don't have any budget for food because you can't scrimp on them on food, right? So just have to spend. That's the biggest spending. Although I do have a baseline spending on food. And uh, that's the highest that we spend on every day, every month, actually. So, But again, it's really something that boils down to how is your relationship with money? Aside from our relationship with money at a super early age, does it matter if we got an allowance? Does it matter if we grew up in a household where both parents were working? Like, What forms our initial mindset about money? Very good question. Actually, um, and I want to explain this because uh, it's psychological more than anything else, more than cultural. I think it's psychological. My, my, my academic background is behavioral science. I think I forgot to mention that early on. And I'm quite comfortable with um, the form- formation of psychological biases as a person uh, grows older and the kind of uh, influences that they have uh, growing up. And this is how I want to explain money as well. Mm-hmm. Because the way you you are raised also determines your attitude towards money. Like in some cases, uh, to your point, were you given an allowance? Is your allowance given based on performance? Right. So these are you. If you are used to this, these are the type type of people who will you, they will grow up uh, with the understanding that money is a reward, and uh, if they don't have guidance growing up on how they spend this reward, they they will, this is pretty much how they will spend their salary later on. Now there are those who think money is a privilege or because they grew up in a family where um, they, it, money is uh, 
is uh, hard to come by and having it is a privilege and th- these are the people who would hold on tightly onto money um i ha- in one side of my family this is uh, more apparent in um in uh, some of my my uh, my cousins who would uh, really really save up on on money because they weren't uh, or we weren't growing up we weren't that well off right so um uh, we were taught how to save we were taught how to save using bank accounts using piggy banks and that's my perspective of money some would just use money as a means to an end right so um like i have friends who would uh, who didn't ha- who never had problems with money and this is the case up to now for them mm-hmm. so it really depends on how you were brought up to look at money and if mo- talking about money is not uh, something that's uh, done at home then it's likely that you're not comfortable talking about it as well with friends right except again when you're talking about things to buy the latest trends to get right so sure. and, and that's just the only way money gets into the conversation That's true. I remember also watching a lot of TV growing up and there was this I guess it was a teleserye called Mara Clara and okay. <laughs> I have a feeling it also influenced my views on money. Like we've been consuming media our whole lives. I can't imagine that it doesn't have an influence on us. Like my kids seem to think that they live in the middle of New York City. Could you explain that to me? Yeah, sure. Pretty good very excellent point actually. Um pop culture also has a lot to do with how we perceive money and getting rich. Like You you made two excellent points. The first one is here in the Philippines and one in New York. So say for example, look at the the teleseries, the movies that we are exposed to. If you look at the the latest one, I, I won't even go back to Malar Marlar. I think I wasn't that bad <laughs> yet. Oh my! <laughs> no, no no, just kidding, just kidding. Yeah, I grew up. I grew up. <laughs> I grew up in um, with Marlar. But there's um. But if you look at the Filipino pop culture, the mainstream media, they portray rich people as being bad and uh, good people as being poor this is called uh, victimizing or a victim mentality where the poor gets uh, um, gets the break they are the main protagonists of a lot of movies but they remain to be poor now let me go back to more recent uh, teleseries like provinciano for example mm-hmm. look at the the protagonist in provinciano he started as a policeman very noble job but never became rich and who are the antagonists the the contrabidas will always be the the lawyers the doctors the the politicians right so mm-hmm. a lot, and 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 this is the what what media is also feeding us so at in in uh, at the back of our heads i'm sure there's a thinking that having money is something negative even if you don't if even if you don't really see it that way i would think that negativity about being rich is apparent now like for example this scenario in the offices where you are if one person goes into the office or say just a normal day no bonuses yet just a no, not even a payday 
one person comes in, new pair of shoes, new pairs of sneakers, or or a, a nice bag, right? People will not admit it, but they would look at that person and say, where did he get or she get that money to buy those things when but we haven't even... bibinyagan pa? Oh, right? Because yeah. it's eh, right? Yeah. So, 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 even if you deny it, and all oh, those those movies don't affect me, or no, I don't think of it that way. I want to be rich. But, but the problem is, that's not how we are wired to think. We are still wired to think that, hey, he, he has something that I don't have, but we are working on the same floor. How did he get that? Right? So, there's still negativity there. Mm-hmm. So it's not helping our case on being rich or, or, or at least establishing the plans to be wealthy or financially independent. Whoa, that was a deep dive into the Filipino psyche and how we think about our finances, guys. Step one is to clear that negativity. Those bad vibes are just going to suck out all your willpower. Having the mindset to stick to your goal means working on the way you think and working on your self-discipline. Kailangan mag-adjust when you approach situations that will take you off track. Because life will happen. You will have those conversations with your friends about that mall sale. And you will find yourself at Starbucks for that latte. But accomplishing a goal means that you will be uncomfortable sometimes. Okay lang yan. Accept it as a part of the journey. There's actually a lot more to my conversation with Ton, and we learn a lot more about JC in our next episode, but I'll give you a sneak peek. He's planning to retire before age 40. Do you or someone you know want to retire by then? Send us your questions about how to achieve this, and we will answer them on the air. Send those questions right through to at UploanPH on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Use audio, video, or plain old text message. We can't wait to hear from you. Remember, you can improve your money mindset starting right now. I found this formula actually helps in a lot of situations, not just with my finances. Number one, you have to set the intention and decide you want to be successful. Number two, write down why you want to succeed. Why do you want to be financially healthy? Knowing your why motivates you, especially when there's so much temptation not to follow your plan. Number three, let go of standards and focus on what really matters to you. Stop caring what other people will think or expect you to do, be or have. Focus on you. This is your journey, not theirs. Number four, get comfortable with discomfort. It's part of the journey. Ready to take action? Yeah, you got this. We will see you next week when my conversations with JC and Ton continue. Till then, keep your chin up. You got this.